We would like to welcome you to another edition of the jazz show. <laughs> I hit the microphone button, turned myself off. Well, maybe that's a good thing. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> this is the jazz show, and my name's Gavin Walker. And we'd like to, uh, those of you that are tuned in right now, we'd like to welcome you and uh, hope that you can stay around for um, some time on the show and if uh, maybe the whole show, if you're uh, in the mood. Yeah, we have a very sort of a hazy night out there. And, of course, all that haze is caused and particles in the air and all that sort of thing is all caused by the terrible forest fires that are happening in uh, our province and uh, hopefully some solution um, can happen. Uh, I know they're bringing in uh, uh, armed forces and equipment and so on from eastern Canada, so uh, perhaps that can uh, alleviate some of the situation. Before we get started, into any music this evening, I would like to dedicate the show and all the shows hereafter to a dear friend and someone who shaped our culture here in Vancouver and brought in so many incredible artists from all the different myriads of jazz and improvised music. Of course, I'm talking about the late and wonderful Mr. Ken Pickering. Ken was a, a kind soul with a wonderful, quietly ironic sense of humor and uh, a wicked grin. <laughs> he was uh, uh, a very compassionate man, and music was such a part of his existence and of course his love for music in all its facets um, was reflected in his um, position as the artistic director for the Vancouver International Jazz Festival and Ken's vision created a jazz festival that was really and is unique um, in North America there is really no other jazz festival like the Vancouver Festival. Um, there are jazz festivals all over the country, but Vancouver is something special, and this is all part of Ken Pickering's vision, and um, he did it. So I would like to uh, dedicate this show and forthcoming shows to the memory of Ken Pickering. He passed away a couple of days ago from cancer, on his, uh, in his Bowen Island home. And of course, um, his partner, Christine Fadina. Um, we offer our deepest condolences to her. And I have heard on the grapevine that there will be sometime in October a memorial service, a celebration of Ken's life. So that is forthcoming. No official announcements have been made uh, at this point. But uh, I do believe October is the month that is being aimed for. 
Ken Pickering. Our jazz feature tonight is a very special recording by Charles Mingus. Now, we're doing rare recordings this month, and this is a rare recording because it's often overlooked. Um, people listen to uh, some of the great Mingus recordings that came out on Atlantic records like Pithecanthropus erectus, uh, The Clown, um, Blues and Roots, um, albums like that, and of course the Columbia uh, time for Mingus, Mingus Ahom, Mingus Dynasty, um, and other albums, in, including um, East Coasting, which came out on, on the Bethlehem label. This particular album is unique because it does not feature the Jazz Workshop. It's a very special album. It's a trio album with Mr. Mingus on bass, and he is definitely the leader here. But it features Hampton Hawes on piano. Hampton Hawes was based in Los Angeles, and Mingus knew and uh, watched Hampton grow from a self-taught, non—Hampton um, didn't read music. He, he played entirely by ear. And Mingus, of course, uh, was a resident of Los Angeles for so many years, and he saw Hampton grow into one of the all-time uh, great piano players and um, one of the most distinctive jazz artists. And Hampton was basically centered in the Los Angeles area, the West Coast area. Um, but in July of 1957, Hampton uh, came to New York, and Mingus, of course, heard about it. Uh, Mingus also knew Hampton's family, uh, was a very good friend of Hampton Hall's father, who happened to be a very prominent minister, and um, they, were, they, they were good friends. And so um, Mingus um, got a hold of Hampton Hawes and said, look, I have this record date um, for um, the Jubilee label, and it's being produced by a great um, uh, jazz-friendly producer, a fellow by the name of Lee Kraft, and uh, I would like to do a trio date with you. Now, the idea, Mingus, um, of course, respected Hampton Hawes, and, and definitely this was part of something he wanted to do, but he also wanted to help out Hampton Hawes. Uh, if any of you out there have ever read one of the best biographies in jazz, which is Hampton Hawes' book he wrote called Raise Up Off, Off Me, if you can find that book in the library, if you haven't read it, read it. It's a very, very frank account of Hampton Hawes' life. Hampton, um, unfortunately, was addicted to drugs. Now, Charles Mingus was never too sympathetic. He, he'd seen enough uh, uh, drug addiction in the jazz world and, and had no respect um, and was very unsympathetic generally with uh, any musicians that were um, addicted to drugs. Um, and... And yet, with Hampton Hawes, he was very gentle. Um, he felt that uh, not only by giving Hampton the opportunity to record with him, um, also it would give Hampton um, 
exposure um, and also and and credibility, of course, <laughs> and it would also give Hampton a few dollars, uh, which of course um, he desperately needed, and uh, so this was all in the way of of um, helping out Hampton Hawes, and yet uh, Mingus would never ever have done it uh, w- with a lesser musician. Um, it was all based on. Uh, the deep respect that Charles Mingus had for Hampton Hawes' artistry. Anyway, this album came out on the Jubilee label. It was recorded in July of 1957, and it was entitled Mingus Three. And it's an album that's often overlooked because it doesn't include all the people that are usually in Mingus's um, bigger bands, the, his jazz workshop. Uh, so this album kind of stands out uh, on its own. It's not that Mingus ha- uh, didn't have experience uh, recording in, in piano trios. After all, Mingus worked with Bud Powell. He um, worked with uh, uh, an obscure piano player by the name of Spalding Givens. Um, he uh, recorded a few albums uh, with in the trio context, but this album is particularly special. Danny Richmond is on drums and he is the uh, in a supporting role and does a great job. Um, of course, by the time of this recording, uh, Danny and Mingus had become best friends and they and uh, Danny was really the only drummer that Mingus preferred to work with. And you can hear why. Interestingly enough, a little sideline uh, before we get into the music and uh, run down the tunes that we're going to hear. Um, Mingus, once the session was over, um, Hampton Hawes was actually ready to go back to Los Angeles. Uh, Mingus didn't pay him right away, um, but he did, (laughs) he bought Hampton uh, an airline ticket back to Los Angeles, paid for it himself, and also uh, withheld the money until he got to the airport to meet Hampton to see him off and then gave Hampton the money because he didn't want, it, want Hampton to spend it uh, on, on uh, drugs and uh, throw it away. It, uh, so Mingus was looking out for Hampton Hawes and, uh, in, in many ways. So this is a, a, an interesting kind of uh, album. The interplay between all the musicians is absolutely beautiful. And we're going to hear this album right now. We begin with a wonderful version of Jerome Kern's Yesterdays. And that's a, such a great tune. And it's a, a, almost an orchestral version, but it's one of the best tracks on the album. Then we go from there to a real slow down-home blues. And Mingus called it the back-home blues. And Hampton Hawes, of course, is a magnificent blues player. And uh, he just shines on, on this slow blues. Following the slow blues is Mingus's favorite uh, ballad written by Vernon Duke, and it's a tune called I Can't Get Started With You. And, of course, it features some magnificent bass playing and, and as well as Hampton's great piano playing. Then we turn to a Hampton Hawes original composition called Hamp's New Blues, and what this is is um, uh, a modern um, variation of the 12-bar blues with uh, altered chords. 
And uh, this is one of the most exciting tracks on the whole album, Hamp's New Blues. Then we follow that with one of the, and of course Mingus's hand is in this one for sure, because this is a tune that's been played by everybody to the point where people don't even want to hear it anymore. But when you hear this, this is a very refreshing version and, and um, as I said, uh, a Mingus arrangement of George Gershwin's Summertime. Following that, I think, is the best track on the whole album. It's my favorite track. It's a composition by Charles Mingus that uh, he also uh, was featured on his famous Tijuana Moods album. And this is a piano trio version of Mingus's composition called Dizzy Moods. And it's based on a series of chords that was created by Dizzy Gillespie. So that's hence the title, Dizzy Moods. And the final tune is a wonderful version of David Raxon's most beautiful melody called Laura. And the interplay between Hampton Hawes and Charles Mingus on this final tune is something very magical. So that's it. Hampton Hawes on piano, the late, great Hampton Hawes, Charles Mingus leading on bass, and Danny Richmond on drums, and we begin our set with Yesterdays.
Our jazz feature this evening, an album led by the great bassist Charles Mingus, entitled Mingus Three. And as I mentioned before, it's one of those albums that's often overlooked because it doesn't have the regular Mingus jazz workshop uh, with all the horns and uh, the original compositions and, and this. And yet, um, this is a highly original album in the context of a piano trio album. And, of course, the co-star of this was pianist Hampton Hawes, who was visiting New York at the time. Hampton lived in Los Angeles, and, of course, Mingus spent many of his early years in L.A. and um, heard... Hampton Hawes, uh, this young self-taught pianist who didn't read music at all, uh, played strictly by ear and uh, grew to become one of the most uh, uh, distinctive and amazing piano players in jazz music. Hampton Hawes. And, of course, uh, interestingly enough, someone who wasn't very generous with compliments uh, to various piano players was Canada's own Oscar Peterson. There were very few piano players that he acknowledged and admired. Um, Art Tatum was obvious. Um, he liked Phineas Newborn, who was, of course, a virtuoso pianist like himself. 
but he loved Hampton Hawes. And uh, he just raved about uh, Hampton's originality and touch at the piano. And yet, it's kind of interesting because Oscar was a very, very well-trained piano player, and Hampton Hawes was totally self-taught. But talent is talent. And, of course, Mingus recognized that. And when Hampton was in New York, um, and Mingus had this record date arranged, he decided to do it as a trio date. And it became one of Mingus's special recordings. And um, I thought I would play it this evening because it's one of those dates that's often overlooked when it comes to the music of Charles Mingus. The album is called Mingus Three, and it came out on a small label uh, in the mid-50s. Uh, the label was called Jubilee. But the producer of this was a very jazz-friendly guy who produced albums for various labels. His name was Lee Kraft, and um, he was... Um, very jazz conscious and very sympathetic to musicians, and they like to work for him, including <laughs> Charles Mingus. So we heard Hampton Hawes on piano, Danny Richmond on drums, and, and Hampton Hawes on piano. And the tunes, the album was called Mingus Three, by the way, and the tunes we opened with uh, a great version of Jerome Kern's Yesterday's, a perfect opener for this album was almost an orchestral version of that tune. And then we uh, moved to the low-down blues, and a slow blues written by Charles Mingus called the Back Home Blues. And, of course, that brings out the best in Hampton Hawes because he was a magnificent blues player. Then we moved from there to uh, Mingus's favorite ballad, and that was Vernon Duke's I Can't Get Started With You. We follow, followed that... Uh, with a Hampton Hawes original, maybe the most exciting track on the album, and it's a thing that Hampton put together called Hamp's New Blues, and it's based on the, it's a 12-bar pattern, yes, but it's, uh, it was based on the altered blues progressions that were made famous by Charlie Parker and other modern musicians. Mingus's hand was all over the next tune, of course, which is the most one of the most played tunes ever, and that was George Gershwin's Summertime, and uh, we heard a unique arrangement of that, and uh, another exciting tune. And then I think the best, for me, the best tune on the album was the tune following Summertime, and that was a Charles Mingus composition that he... Um, programmed on his famous Tijuana Moods album. And this is a trio version of a tune called Dizzy Moods and dedicated to Dizzy Gillespie because the chord sequence of the tune was uh, put together by Mr. Gillespie and Mingus acknowledged that in the title, Dizzy Moods. And the final tune was a beautiful version showing the depth of... Uh, communication between Hampton Hawes on piano and Charles Mingus on bass and their interpretation of uh, the great David Raskin, uh, Raxon tune called Laura, one of the most beautiful ballads ever written. So that's it. Those seven tunes made up the album called Mingus Three, and it was all recorded in New York City July 9th, 1957. So I certainly hope you enjoyed that album. And we shall return after 
some important messages and just to tell you that you are listening to The Jazz Show on CITR FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca. My name is Gavin Walker, and we'll be right back with some music by Gil Evans. You forgot the surfboards? How are we going to shred the gnarly waves now? Well, I got just the replacement. I picked up some copies of Discorder instead. Well, it looks like this surf day just got a whole lot better. This extra special summer issue of Discorder features interviews with local punk rockers Lie, queer Métis fashion designer Evan Ducharme, and the hosts of CITR's Radio Pizza Party. There will also be an exclusive Bartholomew comic strip, short fiction by Mac Gordon, and a suggested summer reading list compiled by the staff of Massey Books. And of course there will be reviews of the Music Waste and Sled Island Music Festivals, as well as podcasts, films, and more. Thank you to our advertisers, Blueprint, Timber Concerts, The Cinematheque, Rickshaw Theatre, Mint Records, Hexistential Festival, Current Symposium, Audio Pile, and An Evening in Damascus. I'm going away, look into my eyes, the last Sunday of every month from 11 to 5, won't you hear with me? Listening to CITR 101.9, broadcasting from UBC's Point Grey campus, located on the traditional, unceded, Coast Salish territory of the Honkameenam speaking Musqueam people. Yes, we're going to be present some music by Gil Evans. Last week, uh, we featured the trumpet stylings of Johnny Coles, and I remember talking about how I discovered Johnny Coles was on this particular recording, which came out in the early 60s, and it was entitled, uh, Everybody Bought This Recording, because uh, Gil Evans had become very famous uh, collaborating with Miles Davis, uh, with on Miles' classic albums, uh, Porgy and Bess, Miles Ahead, and uh, of course he had collaborated with uh, uh, Miles earlier in uh, in uh, Davis's career, but this album was Gil Evans on his own with his own orchestra, and uh, I remember when this album came out on uh, Impulse Records. It was a deluxe package, you know, with one of those fold-out things. It was really, um, Impulse Records was a, a very classy um, way of putting out albums. And uh, um, the distribution was really uh, excellent as well. So you knew you were getting a quality product. And, of course, this album was very special because everybody had fallen in love with uh, Gil Evans' orchestrations and his music. So, 
This is the Gil Evans Orchestra. Mr. Evans is playing the piano and conducting the orchestra from the piano bench as well. And this is his composition that we're going to hear. Um, I'm not going to run down all the personnel, but, uh, of course, the unique instrumentation in Gil Evans' uh, bands uh, always included uh, lots of uh, low brass instruments, trombones, bass trombones, uh, a tuba, uh, maybe just one or two saxophones, um, sometimes flutes uh, over the, uh, the low brass instruments. And, of course, uh, Mr. Evans on piano, Gill on piano, um, the rhythm section, Ray Crawford on guitar, Ron Carter on bass, and some amazing drumming by the wonderful Elvin Jones. All right. So this particular piece of music opened, was the first track on the album, and of course this caught everybody's attention. And it's a wonderful piece of music. It's mostly improvised, uh, although there are, you know, sections set out, and Gil cues in uh, the different uh, sections. But we hear solos. The first solo is by none other than Johnny Coles, and his sound just got to me on this album. And, of course, I found out that he recorded more stuff and became a Johnny Coles fan. So it was this album that really introduced me to the uh, beautiful playing of little Johnny C, Johnny Coles. So he solos on trumpet, and um, Johnny's solo is followed by Tony Studd, a wonderful bass trombonist. And on tenor saxophone, one of the great masters of that instrument, Bud Johnson. We also hear Ron Carter on string bass, and Ray Crawford on guitar, and of course all the other instruments I mentioned and, of course, all driven along by the amazing drumming of Elvin Jones. Here, then, is Gil Evans and the orchestra and La Nevada. Thank you. 
Your daddy's real And your mama's so good looking One of these mornings, you're gonna rise up, sing. Then you'll spread your wings and you'll jet to the sky. Till that morning, there ain't nothing left in heaven. Daddy and Mama standing That was Patricia Barber from one of her very early albums called A Distortion of Love. And, of course, that was her mysteriously spooky version of Summertime. And uh, Patricia played that one note on the piano along with um, Mark Johnson on bass and Adam Nussbaum doing the shakers and stuff like that in the background. Patricia Barber and her unique version of Summertime. Before that, we heard a great piece of music by the Gil Evans Orchestra, featuring Johnny Coles on trumpet, uh, Tony Studd soloing on bass trombone. Uh, We heard uh, Bud Johnson on tenor saxophone, Ron Carter on bass, Ray Crawford on guitar, and some amazing drumming by Elvin Jones, and of course the rest of the orchestra, trumpets, trombones, uh, tuba, etc., flutes, um, different saxophones, all put together by the magic of Gil Evans. And we heard a very famous tune, the opening track on his album that came out on Impulse Records called Out of the Cool, and we heard... La Nevada, a Gil Evans composition and creation. We're going to turn now to uh, a couple of pieces. We're going to take you back to 1947 in New York, the way jazz sounded back then, modern jazz, that is. 
And I'm talking about two pieces of music that feature the great, late, and ill-fated trumpeter, one of the major voices of the trumpet. And unfortunately, he died in 1950. His influence, of course, stretched to today. And um, the trumpet players have to listen to Fats Navarro, Theodore Fats Navarro from Florida. So we hear Fats with uh, Ernie Henry, some of my one of my favorite alto saxophonists, the late, great Ernie Henry, on piano, um, the composer and arranger of this band, Tad Dameron. On bass, Curly Russell, and on drums, Kenny Clark. And all of this, or the two pieces of music we're going to hear, were recorded October 28, 1947. That's a few years ago, isn't it? We open with... Um, Two, actually, there are two Tad Dameron compositions. The first one is called A Bebop Carol, and the second one is called The Tad Walk. So, Fats Navarro, Tad Dameron, Ernie Henry, and company. <laughs> Thank you. 
That's it. Short tunes. Yeah, that's right. The days of 78 RPM, three-minute records. And uh, that's all they had back in those days. And, of course, um, some great jazz performances, including those two pieces that we heard by the uh, Tad Dameron Ensemble, featuring the great late Fats Navarro on trumpet, Ernie Henry on alto saxophone, Tad Dameron on piano, Curly Russell on bass, and Kenny Clark on drums. And we heard two Dameron compositions called A Bebop Carol was the first tune, and the second tune was called The Tad Walk. Yeah, all right. We're going to play a few selections from a group of young musicians from Toronto. Some are very well known here in Vancouver, including uh, Kelly Jefferson, who plays the tenor saxophone on here, Kevin Turcotte on trumpet and flugelhorn. Um, Both of those musicians are well known in Vancouver as they've played on all the festivals across Canada in different contexts. And uh, on piano, Anthony uh, Panacci. On bass, Artie Roth. On drums, Tom Rasky. And the leader and composer of all these tunes is a young man by the name of Chris Monson, who plays the guitar. And this is from uh, Chris's album called Seldom in the Well. And it features all of his original compositions. And we're going to hear three from this uh, album, which is um, independently produced. Um, You can check out, uh, um, just Google Chris Monson. Uh, Chris, of course, uh, C-H-R-I-S, Monson, M-O-N-S-O-N. And uh, you find out a little more about uh, this particular album. It was recorded uh, in April of this year uh, in, in Toronto. So we're going to hear three tunes. The first one is called Distant Solid Figures. The second is called The Passing Through. And the third tune is called Ripple and Collapse. And it features uh, all of these incredible musicians. Music of Chris Monson.
We heard three pieces from this album by Chris Monson and a Toronto-based band. The album is called Seldom in the Well. And these are three original compositions that featured a band which included Kelly Jefferson on tenor saxophone and Kevin Turcott on uh, trumpet and flugelhorn. Both of those musicians are familiar with uh, Vancouver and been out here many times. Anthony uh, Panacci on piano, Artie Roth on bass, Tom Rasky on drums, and, of course, the leader on guitar, and those were three of his compositions, Chris Monson. And um, the titles, the first one we heard was called Distant Solid Figures. Third tune, or tune number two, was called The Passing Through, and tune number three was called Ripple and Collapse. It's a very fine album, um, independently uh, released album. And uh, if you can, uh, if you're interested in this album, you can uh, Google Chris Monson, uh, C H R I S, of course, uh, Monson, M O N S O N. There you go, Chris Monson. All right, we shall return in a moment or two. Just like to remind you that you are listening to. The Jazz Show on CITR FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca for live streaming. And my name is Gavin Walker. We'd like to uh, just mention a couple of really important websites uh, that are fun to browse around. And the first one, of course, is the website of the Coastal Jazz and Blues Society. Um, There's all kinds of uh, links on that, of course, and uh, the complete uh, schedule for Frankie's, uh, one of Vancouver's leading jazz clubs down on Beatty Street, and all the artists that it, uh, will be performing at Frankie's. Uh, you'll see the schedule there, and if you see somebody that you really want to hear, uh, you can book a table, etc., um, etc., et uh, uh, prepay the cover, do all of that kind of stuff uh, via the link, which of course is Coastal jazz.ca There's some other venues for uh, for jazz music around Vancouver and I always like to mention Pat's Pub because they've been going for a long time. They have a Saturday afternoon. They have some jazz uh, in the evenings there, but um, every Saturday afternoon is some of our finest musicians play at Pat's Pub. There is never a cover charge. And uh, so if you're a little down on your money, you can always go in and sip on a beer or a Coke or whatever and uh, hear some of the finest uh, jazz music on the planet. Um, We have some of the most amazing musicians here in Vancouver, and uh, Pat's Pub is a good place to go. In in the historic Patricia Hotel uh, in the downtown east side of Vancouver. So the... um, Music starts um, at approximately 3 o'clock and carries on to about 7 uh, in the evening at, uh, at Pat's Pub. So check it out, Saturday afternoons. We shall be back. LGBTQ2I Night is a positive space for folks to learn about bike maintenance in a relaxed environment led by queer mechanics and volunteers. 
It takes place on the fourth Wednesday of every month at the Bike Kitchen on UBC's campus. Bring your own bike and fix them with our tools, come with questions and ask away, or learn by watching other folks work on their bikes. Beginners are always welcome. This event is entirely free to attend and there will be free pizza. For more information, visit bikecoop.ca. Are you looking for a volunteer opportunity that fits your schedule? Being a big sister takes less time than you think, and you can choose the volunteer opportunity that fits your life. Spend just one hour a week as a study buddy, tutor, or two hours a week as a big sister. Check out the various mentoring programs at Big Sisters of BC Lower Mainland and find a volunteer position and a little sister that will suit you to a T. Visit bigsisters.bc.ca for more information today. stretch of weather. Uh, it's not going to be as hot as it was. We're not going to have that heat wave thing, but it's still going to be quite warm. And unfortunately, because of the forest fires that are plaguing British Columbia, the air is uh, hazy and there are particles in the air. And um, sometimes you can kind of detect that there's a uh, uh, stuff in the air, you can feel it in your throat or in your nostrils and so on and so forth. But it does make for a hazy sky, and of course, that's what's happening. Tonight is clear, hazy, with a low of 15. Tomorrow is going to be sunny and hazy once again, with a low of 15 and highs between 23 and 28, depending on where you are. Wednesday, uh, there's no haze in the forecast as far as I can see, but you never know, of course, with these unpredictable fires. But Wednesday is um, sunny with a low of 15 and highs between 24 and 29. Uh, Thursday, uh, they say, is clearing, so maybe that's what's uh, happening, is that maybe the, there'll be some wind and uh, move some of the haze, at least from the lo lower mainland. Anyway, um, Thursday is clearing, then sunny with a low of 16 and highs between 23 and 27. And then the weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday is calling for sunny weather. Lows between four, uh, 15 and highs up to 27 inland from 23, 24, 25, etc., depending on where you are, but it uh, looks really, really nice for the weekend. So there you go. There is the weather picture. We're going to take you now to the Half Note, which was a famous club in, um, in New York City. And this features one of the great trumpeters. Art Blakey called him the uncrowned king. 
And in many ways, he was. He didn't get the recognition that Miles Davis and Dizzy Gillespie and uh, other trumpet players got. Kenny Dorham was always perennially underrated. KD, Kenny Dorham. Uh, he's featured here with one of my favorite, all-time favorite alto saxophonists, Sonny Red. He was a jazz feature artist last month and a wonderful player. Very unique um, style on the alto saxophone. Detroit born and bred, Sonny Red. His real name was Sylvester Kiner, but he was known as Sonny Red. Cedar Walton, of course, on piano, wonderful pianist from Texas. John Orr on bass, and Hugh Walker on drums. He was a young up-and-coming drummer at the time in New York City. So we're going to hear a Kenny Dorham composition called Jung Fu. KD, Kenny Dorham. This is Alan Grant welcoming you to our Portraits and Jazz show, live in stereo from the Half Note Club, presenting tonight, Kenny Durham with the quintet, with Sonny Red on alto, Hugh Walker on drums, John Orr the basses, and Cedar Walton at the piano. Our opening tune, Jung Fu.
That's Kenny Durham on a tune called Jung Fu. Here's your copy, Kenny.
That piece was by a gentleman who was born on this day in Cleveland, Ohio, very underrated trumpeter, lived most of his life in Europe, Benny Bailey. And that's from uh, an album uh, that came out on Candid Records called Big Brass, Benny Bailey. And it featured Benny with uh, a hand-picked band. Um, he was uh, visiting uh, the United States for a short period of time and uh, recorded this album. Uh, and we heard Benny, of course, a very wonderful trumpeter, and Phil Woods on alto saxophone, Julius Watkins on French horn, Les Spann on flute, Tommy Flanagan on piano, Buddy Catlett on bass, and Arthur Taylor on drums. And that was a composition and arrangement by Oliver Nelson called Tipsy. And before that, we heard the voice of uh, one of the great DJs in New York City, Alan Grant, and he um, introduced um, Kenny Dorham's group with, uh, and of course, Kenny Dorham, another wonderful and underrated trumpeter, the uncrowned king, as they called him. Uh, Kenny Dorham on trumpet with um, the fabulous Sonny Red on alto saxophone, Cedar Walton on piano, John Orr on bass, and Hugh Walker on drums. And we heard Kenny's composition called Jung Fu. And that was recorded at the Half Note in New York City in February of 1966. And the Half Note was one of the great jazz clubs in NYC. There's been a lot of talk about this concert, which took place at the Olympia in Paris, March 21st, 1960, with the Miles Davis Quintet. Now, there's a whole story connected um, with this. Miles, um, actually, John Coltrane was, of course, Miles' tenor saxophonist, and he had already given his notice before this tour was set up that he was leaving. Um, he had his own plans, and he was leaving Miles Davis. And Miles actually, uh, <laughs> Miles wasn't prone to do this, but he begged Coltrane to do this European tour uh, with him. And uh, Coltrane reluctantly uh, accepted and, of course, Miles uh, offered Coltrane uh, unlimited freedom to, uh, to play as long as he wanted uh, on any of the tunes. And um, that's exactly what John Coltrane did um, on this tour. And this particular concert in, in France um, was really hard to find until Columbia put it out on this uh, deluxe set uh, called The Final Tour, Miles Davis and John Coltrane, The Bootleg Series, Volume 6. And it's a whole uh, group of albums with uh, from different periods. But this particular evening, March the 21st, uh, Coltrane really had a bee in his bonnet. And the French audience... Uh, wasn't quite sure. They they weren't ready for what John Coltrane was playing. They had heard him, of course, on records, and they and they they loved his playing. But they they were quite taken aback 
by his intensity um, at this particular concert. And as I mentioned before, Miles gave him unlimited freedom, so <laughs> that was it. And of course, uh, it also stimulated Miles to uh, play some beautiful um, trumpet on these pieces. So this is the Miles Davis Quintet with Miles Davis on trumpet and John Coltrane on tenor saxophone and this incredible rhythm section. Wynton Kelly on piano, Paul Chambers on bass, and Jimmy Cobb on drums. And these are two uh, staples of the Miles Davis repertoire of the time. We're going to listen to So What? And following that is, of course, Miles' interpretation of Green Dolphin Street. Miles Davis and John Coltrane in Paris.
Miles Davis, John Coltrane, on his last tour with uh, Miles Davis, and of course taking full advantage and playing uh, as much saxophone as he possibly could. And uh, <laughs> that's just absolutely amazing. Recorded at the uh, Olympia Theater in Paris, March the 21st, 1960, and we heard two lengthy tunes that um, both of them were uh, band staples. Uh, the first one was Miles Davis's composition called So What? And the second was uh, Miles' interpretation of the standard on Green Dolphin Street. And, of course, Miles and John Coltrane being backed up by that incredible rhythm section of Winton Kelly on piano, Paul Chambers on bass, and Jimmy Cobb on drums. And, of course, Jimmy is the only surviving member of that uh, incredible quintet. This, uh, those two tracks are from the, um, as I mentioned, um, this is from an album called The Final Tour, Miles Davis and John Coltrane. Uh, it's been put out by uh, Columbia Sony, and um, what it is is uh, three concerts of, uh, of the best recorded concerts um, that they found. There's others, um, but the recording quality is, is not always up, up to par, whereas the recording quality on these concerts are good. And the rare one is um, the one from the Olympia in Paris. And, of course, then we have a concert in Copenhagen a few days later and another one in, uh, in Stockholm. But the Paris one is the, quite something. We'll hear more from that uh, on a future show. Miles Davis, the quintet with Mr. Coltrane. Here is a saxophone player who has always been a favorite of mine. And this is from a rather um, elusive album, which came out on the Pacific Jazz label, because the saxophone player Booker Irvin was generally based on the East Coast. And uh, he was out on the West Coast. He had done a, a, a tour and concerts. Uh, he was working with Randy Weston. And he spent some time in Los Angeles, as did trumpeter Charles Tolliver, who was also from the East. And on piano, another New Yorker, John Hicks. And then two West Coasters, Red Mitchell on bass and Lenny McBrown on drums. So Charles Tolliver, trumpet, Booker Irvin, tenor saxophone, John Hicks on piano, Red Mitchell on bass, and Lenny McBrown on drums. This is from an album called Structurally Sound, and we're going to hear a few tracks from this album. The first one is a Randy Weston composition. This is one that Booker played with, uh, with Weston. He liked the tune. It's called the Berkshire Blues. The second tune that we're going to hear is a very famous one by Oliver Nelson, and, of course, it's his composition, Stolen Moments. And then we're going to hear one by Charles Tolliver called Freness. So here then, Booker Irvin and his quintet. Thank you. 
We heard three tunes from a World Pacific album originally, led by tenor saxophonist Booker Irvin, and uh, was recorded during uh, Booker's uh, brief sojourn in uh, Los Angeles, along with Charles Tolliver on trumpet, John Hicks on piano, Red Mitchell on bass, and Lenny McBrown on drums. And we heard three tunes. The first one was uh, entitled The Berkshire Blues, written by Randy Weston. The second tune was Oliver Nelson's famous Stolen Moments. And the final tune was a Charles Tolliver composition entitled Franess. And all of this was recorded uh, in December of 1966 from this... uh, World Pacific album called Structurally Sound, Booker Irvin, one of the great individual voices of the uh, tenor saxophone, unmistakable. We're going to close the show tonight with a classic. This is the very first version of this tune. Now, lots of people have recorded this, but this is the original version of this particular tune, and um, it was written by Benny Golson, and... This is from the very first album of a newly formed band way back when, 1960, called the Jazz Tet. And it was co-led by Benny Golson, who is still very much with us on tenor saxophone, and trumpeter Art Farmer, who departed uh, a number of years ago. And the people in the band, um, aside from Golson and Farmer, the two co-leaders, Curtis Fuller on trombone, And this was the first important gig for a young man who went on to play piano with John Coltrane for so many years, McCoy Tyner. He was the band's first pianist. And on bass, Art Farmer's twin brother, Addison, on bass, and a wonderful drummer from Philadelphia by the name of Lex Humphreys. And we're going to hear the original version. Benny Golson is going to tell you all about Um, what this piece is about, but the tune is called Killer Joe. We'd like you to meet a friend of ours who goes by the name of Killer Joe. Picture a so-called hippie or hip cat standing on a corner in a neatly pressed double-breasted form-fitting pinstripe suit, a pair of pointed-toed shoes with bold white stitches around the soles, a black shirt, long white tie black pencil mustache, and of course, a very wide-brimmed black felt hat. Killer Joe always has a pocket full of loot, but only the kind that jingles. You see, he likes to play the horses. He is most certainly a ladies' man. As a matter of fact, he is always willing to accept cash contributions from them for any cause, namely his own. The most important thing about Killer Joe that you have to know is that he's very much against manual labor. Killer Joe.
Killer Joe. Killer Joe, indeed. <laughs> we all know what kind of character that was. And uh, that was Benny Golson's tribute to Killer Joe. And uh, that was Benny uh, doing the narration of his tune as well. This was the uh, initial, the very first version of, uh, recorded version of, of that tune. And this was from the very first album of a band called The Jazz Tet, which uh, Benny Golson formed with trumpeter Art Farmer. Curtis Fuller was along on trombone, a very young McCoy Tyner at the piano, just starting his career, Addison Farmer on bass, and Lex Humphreys on drums. And, of course, Killer Joe along for the ride, too. Well, that's it for another edition of The Jazz Show on CITR. My name's Gavin Walker, and I'd like to uh, thank you very much for listening on behalf of the Jazz Show, CITR FM 101.9, or on your computer, www.citr.ca. And we hope to see you in seven days' time. We start this program every Monday night at 9 p.m. So um, come on around and stay the night. Take care. Bye for now. Ha <laughs> ha